Chapter Four, Part One of *The Shades of the Wilderness*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. *The Shades of Wilderness* by Joseph A. Altscheller. Chapter Four: A Herald to Lee, Part One. When he swept out upon the sullen bosom of the Potomac, Harry looked back only once. He saw two dim figures going up the bank, and, at its crest, a line of lights that showed the presence of the southern force. There was no sound of firing, and he judged that the enemy had withdrawn to a distance of two or three miles. The night had turned darker since the battle ceased, and not many stars were out. Clouds indicated that flurries of rain might come, but he did not view them now with apprehension. Darkness and rain would help a herald to Lee. The current was strong, and he did not have to pull hard, but, observing presently that the far shore was fringed with bushes, he sent the boat into their shadow. He did not anticipate any danger from the southern shore, but the old inherited caution of the forest runners was strong within him. Under the hanging bushes he was well hidden, but in some places the flood in the river had turned the current back upon itself, and he was compelled to pull with vigor on the oars. The clouds that had threatened did not develop much, and while the forests were dark, the surface of the river showed clearly in the faint moonlight. Any object upon it could be seen from either bank, and Harry was glad that he had sought the shelter of the overhanging bushes. He realized now that in this region, which was really the theater of war, many scouts and skirmishers must be about. The bank above him was rather high and quite steep, for which he was glad, as it afforded protection. A half-mile farther down he came to the mouth of a creek coming in from the south, and just as he passed it he heard voices on the bank. He held the boat among the bushes on the cliff and listened. Several men were talking, but he judged them to be farmers, not soldiers. Yet they talked of the battle that night, and Harry surmised that they were looking at the lights in the southern camp which might yet be visible from the high point on which they stood. He could not gather from their words whether they were northern or southern sympathizers, but it did not matter, as he had no intention of speaking to them, hoping only that they would go away in a few minutes and let him continue his journey unseen. His hopes speedily came to pass. He heard their voices sinking in the distance, and leaving the shelter of the bushes he pulled down the stream once more. Then he found that he had deceived himself about the clouds. If they had retired, they had merely recoiled, to use the French phrase, in order to gather again with greater force. During his short stay among the bushes at the foot of the cliff, the whole heavens had blackened, and the air was surcharged with the heavy damp intensity that betokened a coming storm. The lightning blazed across the river thrice, and he heard a mutter which was not that of cannon. Then came rain and a rushing wind, and the surface of the river was troubled grievously. It rose up in waves like those of a lake, and Harry's boat rocked and tumbled so badly that in a few minutes it was half full of water. Fearing he might sink, carrying with him his great message, he pulled again, but fiercely now, for the southern bank and the shelter of the bushes which, fortunately for him, grew here in the water's edge. He shoved his boat with all his might among them as their tops snapped and crackled in the hurricane. But he knew he was safe there, and he continued to push until it reached the edge of the land. The river would be swollen by another storm, but for the present it did not bother him greatly. He was more immediately concerned with his wish to get back to Lee as soon as possible, and he was grateful for that dense clump of bushes growing in the very water's edge, because the wind was blowing like a hurricane, and the waves were chasing one another on the Potomac like the billows on a lake. He was a fair oarsman, but it would have taken greater skill than his to have kept his boat afloat in the tempestuous river. The bushes formed an absolute protection. His boat swayed with them, which saved it from being damaged, and the overhanging lee of the cliff kept most of the rain from him. He also wrapped about his body the pair of blankets that he always carried, and he sat there not only in safety, but with a certain physical pleasure. 
once more amid surroundings with the like of which henry ware had been so familiar the soul of his great ancestor seemed to have descended upon him most young officers no matter how brave or how skilled in war would have been awed and alarmed he had no comrades at his elbow there was no light no friendly sound to encourage him he was as truly alone so far as his present situation was concerned as any pioneer had ever been in the heart of the wilderness but for him there was pleasure at that moment in being alone he did not quiver when the thunder rolled and crashed above his head and the lightning blazed in one titanic sword slash after another across the surface of the river rather the wilderness and majesty of the scene appealed to him leaning well back in his boat with his blankets closely wrapped about him he watched it and his soul rose with the storm harry knew from its sudden violence that the rain would soon pass and if the waves abated a little he would certainly take his boat into the river and try his fortunes again yet a precious hour was lost and nothing could replace it the thunder ceased by and by and there was only dim lightning on the far horizon the waves began to abate and taking off his blankets he pushed his boat once more into the stream it rocked prodigiously and shipped water but by strenuous effort he kept it afloat and as the wind sank still further he decided that he would seek the northern shore and disembark as soon as possible it would be easier to steal through the thickets than to navigate what amounted to a wild sea but the banks were yet too high and steep for a landing and he continued to row keeping now near the middle of the stream wind and rain were dying fast and he heard a sound behind uncommonly like the distant swish of oars it sent an unpleasant thrill through him because he wished to be alone on the river at that particular time but his eyes tracing a course through all the dusk and gloom rested upon another boat about two hundred yards away containing a single occupant a farmer or a riverman harry thought but to his great astonishment the man suddenly raised himself up a little and shouted to him in a tremendous voice to halt harry had not the least idea of stopping for anybody he bent to his oars and rowed swiftly on again came that shout to halt and it seemed more insolent to him than before he put a few more ounces of strength into his arms and shoulders and increased his speed the pursuer suddenly drawing in his oars raised a rifle from the bottom of his boat and fired point-blank at the fugitive the bullet whistled so near harry that he felt his ear burn and at first thought he was hit he would have been glad to fire back but his pistols could not carry like his enemy's rifle and there was nothing to do but flee once again he sought to draw a few more ounces of energy from his body but the man behind him was a much greater oarsman than he and gained rapidly the stranger shouting another command to halt to which no attention was paid fired a second time and the bullet went through the side of harry's boat barely scraping his knee as it passed his rage became intense he had been shot at many times in battle and many times he had fired his pistols into the opposing masses but here upon this river a man sought his life as the savages of old sought the hunter another glance showed him that pursuer had closed up half the distance between them and snatching one of the pistols from his belt he fired he knew that he had missed as he saw the water spurt up beside the boat but he thought that his bullet and the probability of more might delay the pursuit nevertheless the man came on as boldly and as fast as ever if he fired a third time he could scarcely miss at such short range it seemed to harry the gift of heaven that a whole pack of clouds should drift above them at that moment deepening the obscurity and making the pursuing boat although it was so near a shapeless form in the mists he could not see the features of the man but he was able to discern his large and powerful figure and he noticed the rhythmic manner in which his arms and shoulders worked the oars obviously he had no chance to escape him by flight and drawing his second pistol he fired the bullet struck the boat but did no damage the man came on faster than ever Harry took a desperate resolution, and, whirling the boat about, he rowed it straight at his pursuer, who was now almost level with him. He intended to ram and take his chances. His movement was so quick and unexpected that it succeeded. 
the bow of his boat helped perhaps by a wave struck the other with such violence that both were shattered and sank instantly harry went down with his craft but in a few seconds came up again his mouth and eyes full of muddy water he was a splendid swimmer and his eyes clearing in a moment he looked toward the northern shore seeking an easy place for landing they encountered ten feet away a large sun-browned face and two burning eyes shepherd harry gasped and so it was you lieutenant kenton perhaps if i had known it was you i wouldn't have fired upon you don't let that deter you we're enemies i merely said perhaps i like you but that wouldn't keep me from stopping you by any method i could from reaching lee i'm sure it wouldn't i like you too mr shepherd but we're enemies here in this river deadly enemies and i mean to beat you off one may mean to do a thing and yet not do it i'm the larger and the more powerful besides i'm toughened by superior age you'd better surrender mr kenton i don't want to do you any bodily harm i admit that you're larger and stronger but on land only i'm the better swimmer we're both floating now but if you'll make a comparison mr shepherd you'll find that i'm doing it with the greatest ease take my advice and swim to the southern bank of the river while i go to the northern i say it in all good faith i've no doubt of that but the young are likely to overestimate their powers i'm a good swimmer and you can't escape me the important point is not whether i can escape you but whether you can escape me since you have lost your boat and your rifle and we're in such a treacherous and unstable element as water i occupy the superior position the young may indeed overestimate their powers but in swimming at least i'm a competent critic for instance you're holding your shoulders too high and you kick too much you're splashing water a useless waste of energy now observe me the surface of this river is rough little waves are yet running upon it but i float as easily as a fish come up to see by the moon what time it is it is not egotism on my part merely a recognition of the facts but i warn you mr shepherd to swim to the other shore and let me alone the two were not ten feet apart and despite the lightness of their talk their eyes burned with earnestness and intensity harry knew that shepherd would not dream of turning back yet in the water he awaited the result with a confidence that he would not have felt on land it's your move shepherd he said the intensity of shepherd's gaze increased and harry never took his eyes from those of his enemy he intended like a prize-fighter to read there what the man's next effort would be i don't see that it's my move said shepherd as he floated calmly you're following me for the purpose of capturing me to capture you or delay you meanwhile it seems to me that i'm delaying you very successfully i can't see that you're making much progress towards lee that depends upon which way this river is flowing you note that we float gently with the stream it's a poor argument the potomac flows directly by washington and if we were to float on we'd float into the heart of great northern fortresses instead of lee's camp that's true as far as it goes but it doesn't go far enough i'm leaving the river soon you can have it all then thanks but i'll think i'll go with you lieutenant kenton then come to the bottom exclaimed harry as he dived forward like a flash seized shepherd by the ankles and headed for the bottom of the river with him the water gurgled in his eyes and ears and nose but he held on for many seconds despite the man's desperate struggles then he was forced to let go and rise as his head shot above the stream he saw another shooting up in the same manner about fifteen feet away both were choked and gasping but harry managed to say i didn't intend for you to come up so soon i suppose not but perhaps you didn't pause to think that when you rose i'd rise with you yes that's true it seems to me that matters grow complicated can't you persuade yourself mr shepherd to go and leave me alone i really have no use for you here i'd like to oblige you lieutenant kenton but i intend to see that you don't reach general lee still harping upon that it seems to me that you're a stupidly stubborn man don't you know that i'm going anyhow harry had never ceased to watch his eyes and he saw there the signal of a coming movement shepherd dived suddenly for him intending to repeat his own trick but the youth was like a fish in the water and he darted to the right the man came up grasping nothing harry laughed the chagrin of shepherd compelled his amusement although he liked the man 
i wish you'd go away mr shepherd he said on land you could perhaps overpower me but in the water i think i'm your master all through my boyhood i devoted a great deal of my time to swimming dr russell of the pendleton academy but you never knew him used to say that if i would swim less and study more i could make greater pretensions to scholarship shepherd swimming rather easily regarded him thoughtfully while we talk to each other in this more or less polite manner mr kenton he said we must not forget that we are in deadly earnest i mean to take you and our scouts mean to take every other messenger who goes out from colonel sherburne's camp you know and i know that if the army of northern virginia does not reach in a few days that camp where there is a ford in ordinary weather it will be driven up against the potomac and we can accumulate such great forces against it that it cannot possibly escape even at sherburne's place its escape is more than doubtful if it has to linger long yes i know these things quite well mr shepherd i also know as you do that general meade's army is not in direct pursuit and that in a flanking movement he is advancing across south mountain and toward sharpsburg it is a march well calculated and extremely dangerous to general lee if he does not hear of it in time but he will hear of it soon enough a comrade of mine george dalton will tell him others from colonel sherburne's camp will tell him and i mean to tell him too i hope to be the first to do so Harry never deceived himself for a moment. He knew that although Shepard liked him, he would go to the uttermost to stop him, and as for himself, while he had a friendly feeling for the spy, he meant to use every weapon he could against him. Realizing that he could not linger much longer, as the chill of the water was already entering his body, he swam closer to Shepard, still staring directly into his eyes. How thankful he was now for those innumerable swimmings in the little river that ran near Pendleton! Everything learned well justifies itself some day although there was but little moonlight they were so close together that they could see the eyes of each other clearly and harry detected a trace of uneasiness in those of shepherd a good swimmer the water nevertheless was not his element and although a man of great physical and extraordinary powers he longed for the solid earth under his feet harry drew himself together as if he were going to dive but instead of doing so suddenly raised himself in the water and shot forth his clenched tight fist with all his might shepherd was taken completely by surprise and he sank back under the water leaving a blood stain on its surface harry watched anxiously but shepherd came up again in a moment or two gasping and swimming wildly the point of his jaw was presented fairly and harry struck again as hard as he could in the water shepherd with a choked cry went under and harry diving forward seized his body bringing it to the surface shepherd was senseless but getting an arm under his shoulders harry was able to swim with him to the northern shore although it took nearly all his strength then he dragged him out upon the bank and sank down panting beside him. End of chapter four, part one. Recording by Denise Nordell, Modesto, California.